In contract law, rescission is an equitable remedy which allows a contractual party to cancel the contract. Parties may rescind if they are the victims of a vitiating factor, such as misrepresentation, mistake, duress, or undue influence. Rescission is the unwinding of a transaction. This is done to bring the parties, as far as possible, back to the position in which they were before they entered into a contract, the status quo ante. Taxonomy. Rescission is used throughout the law in a number of different senses. The failure to draw these crucial distinctions is productive of serious confusion. Although judicature legislation has been enacted throughout the common law world, and jurisdictions vary in their recognition of a distinct body of law known as equity, reference to the jurisdictional origins is still important for the purposes of exposition. Rescission in the sense of termination. Rescission in this sense is not the focus of this article. Where a contract is terminated, obligations under the contract are only discharged prospectively, the contract is not rendered void ab initio. Rescission in the sense of termination covers two key situations. First, where a party to a contract exercises an express right of termination, he or she is sometimes said to have exercised a right to rescind the contract. Secondly, where a party is faced with a repudiation, the party can elect to terminate the contract, this too has often been referred to as an election to rescind. Rescission at Common Law Rescission at Common Law, as distinct from rescission in equity, is a self-help remedy. Historically, the common law court simply gave effect to the rescinding party's unequivocal election to rescind the contract. Rescission at common law is only available for fraudulent misrepresentations and duress. Rescission renders the contract void ab initio, and courts will only grant rescission under common law if the parties can be restored to their original positions prior to the formation of the contract, restitutio in integrum. Courts of equity exercised a jurisdiction to effect rescission where restoring the parties to the contract to their pre-contract positions was not possible at common law. Rescission in equity. Rescission is available in equity's exclusive jurisdiction in a wide range of situations. For example, where there has been an innocent but material misrepresentation, a breach of fiduciary duty, unconscionable conduct, or equitable fraud. In court. Rescission is an equitable remedy and is discretionary. It is used as a synonym for termination at law. A court may decline to rescind a contract if one party has affirmed the contract by his action, or a third party has acquired some rights or there has been substantial performance in implementing the contract. To improve chances of being granted rescission, parties may do well to describe those circumstances which may give rise to an entitlement to terminate, as was done in Kumpato Local Aboriginal Land Council v. Sandpine Proprietary Limited. Furthermore, because rescission is supposed to be imposed mutually upon both sides to a contract, the party seeking rescission normally must offer to give back all benefits he or she has received under the contract, an offer of tender. The U.S. State of Virginia uses the term cancellation for equitable rescission. Furthermore, a minority of common law jurisdictions, like South Africa, use the term rescission for what other jurisdictions call reversing, overturning or overruling a court judgment. In this sense, the term means to be set aside or made void on application to the court that granted the judgment or to a higher court. Applications to rescind a judgment are usually made on the basis of error or for good cause. Most common law jurisdictions avoid all this confusion by holding that one rescinds a contract and cancels a deed, for example, of real property, and treat rescission as a contractual remedy rather than a type of procedural remedy against a court judgment. In Australia, the Court of Equity may grant partial relief under the contract if good conscience and practical justice are observed by the court.
by private companies. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In finance, law, and insurance, rescission is the termination of a contract from the beginning, as if it never existed, rendering it void ab initio. In 2009, one judge ruled that borrowers who refinanced into an adjustable rate mortgage could force a bank to rescind mortgage loans if it acted similarly inappropriately. Rescission is typically viewed as an extreme remedy which is rarely granted. Stock Market Transactions In order to have legal certainty and in order to avoid the situation that courts have to decide ex post if a trade should be binding or not, erroneous trade rules of exchanges usually exclude civil law rescission rights. This explains why banks usually have to carry huge losses when clearly erroneous trades occur that have not been detected within 30 minutes. Insurance Insurers have the right to rescind an insurance policy due to concealment, material misrepresentation, or material breach of warranty. Generally, to rescind, an insurer will send a notice to the insured and tender a check in the amount of the premium paid for the relevant policy period. In health insurance and specifically the individual and small group insurance markets, rescissions have generally followed the diagnosis of an expensive to treat illness in the patient, policyholder, typically because of withheld information about a pre-existing medical condition. Public awareness of this practice increased during the 2009 U.S. healthcare debate when it was described colloquially as cancel coverage when you get sick. The practice of health insurance rescission was partially limited starting September 23, 2010, following the adoption of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act in 2010. A House Committee report found that WellPoint, now Anthem, United Health Group and Assurant rescinded policies for more than 20,000 people over a five-year period. The House report also highlighted 13 particular cases. In 2010, It was revealed that WellPoint specifically targeted women with breast cancer for aggressive investigation with the intent to cancel, rescind, their policies. The disclosures followed the discovery that Assurant Health similarly targeted all recently diagnosed HIV-positive, AIDS, policyholders for rescission. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS, Secretary Kathleen Sebelius sent a letter to WellPoint urging the insurer to immediately end their practice of dropping health insurance coverage for the women. The software technology used by WellPoint, as well as other major American health insurance companies is provided by Midgroup. The software automatically triggered a fraud investigation on every policyholder recently diagnosed with breast cancer and searched for conditions not disclosed in the application. The Midgroup provides a follow-up service which allows for a second chance to underwrite based on additional, discovered information during the contestable period. The service is maintained for two years after initial underwriting and may include, among other information, credit history, medical conditions, driving records, criminal activity, drug use, participation in hazardous sports, and personal or family genetic history. Consumers can request a copy of the data in their report from Midgroup. The insurer is additionally required to prove an intent to deceive in the misrepresentation, This fraud or intent requirement was extended federally for health insurance contracts effective September 23, 2010 by Section 2712 of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. 
In the long run the change may have little effect in practice given that the bill eventually will not allow underwriting based on pre-existing conditions. Previously, most states required proving intent to deceive. A declaratory judgment, also called a declaration, is the legal determination of a court that resolves legal uncertainty for the litigants. It is a form of legally binding preventive by which a party involved in an actual or possible legal matter can ask a court to conclusively rule on and affirm the rights, duties, or obligations of one or more parties in a civil dispute, subject to any appeal. The declaratory judgment is generally considered a statutory remedy and not an equitable remedy in the United States, and is thus not subject to equitable requirements, though there are analogies that can be found in the remedies granted by courts of equity. A declaratory judgment does not by itself order any action by a party or imply damages or an injunction, although it may be accompanied by one or more other remedies. A declaratory judgment is generally distinguished from an advisory opinion because the latter does not resolve an actual case or controversy. Declaratory judgments can provide legal certainty to each party in a matter when this could resolve or assist in a disagreement. Often an early resolution of legal rights will resolve some or all of the other issues in a matter. A declaratory judgment is typically requested when a party is threatened with a lawsuit but the lawsuit has not yet been filed, or when a party or parties believe that their rights under law and or contract might conflict, or as part of a counterclaim to prevent further lawsuits from the same plaintiff, for example, when only a contract claim is filed, but a copyright claim might also be applicable. In some instances, a declaratory judgment is filed because the statute of limitations against a potential defendant may pass before the plaintiff incurs damage, for example, a malpractice statute applicable to a certified public accountant may be shorter than the time period the IRS has to assess a taxpayer for additional tax due to bad advice given by the CPA. Declaratory judgments are authorized by statute in most common law jurisdictions. In the United States, the federal government and most states enacted statutes in the 1920s and 1930s authorizing their courts to issue declaratory judgments. Cease and desist. The filing of a declaratory judgment lawsuit can follow the sending by one party of a cease and desist letter to another party. A party contemplating sending such a letter risks that the recipient, or a party related to the recipient, for example such as a customer or supplier, may file for a declaratory judgment in their own jurisdiction, or sue for minor damages in the law of unjustified threats. This may require the sender to appear in a distant court, at their own expense. So sending a cease and desist letter presents a dilemma to the sender, as it would be desirable to be able to address the issues at hand in a candid manner without the need for litigation. Upon receiving a cease and desist letter, the recipient may seek a tactical advantage by instituting declaratory judgment litigation in a more favorable jurisdiction. Sometimes the parties agree in advance of discussions that no declaratory judgment lawsuit will be filed while the negotiations are continuing. Sometimes a lawsuit is filed, but not served, before sending such a notice, to preserve a jurisdiction advantage without engaging the judicial process fully. Some parties send cease and desist letters that make an oblique suggestion of possible infringement to lower the risk of the recipient filing a declaratory judgment lawsuit. Declaratory Judgment Actions in Patent Litigation Declaratory judgments are common in patent litigation, as well as in other areas of intellectual property litigation, because declaratory judgments allow an alleged infringer to clear the air about a product or service that may be a business's focal point. For example, in a typical patent infringement claim, when a patent owner becomes aware of an infringer, the owner can simply wait until he pleases to bring an infringement suit. 
Meanwhile, the monetary damages continuously accrue, with no effort expended by the patent owner, apart from marking the patent number on products the patent owner sold or licensed. On the other hand, the alleged infringer could do nothing to rectify the situation if no declaratory judgment existed. The alleged infringer would be forced to continue to operate his business with a cloud of a lawsuit over his head. The declaratory judgment procedure allows the alleged infringer to proactively bring suit to resolve the situation and eliminate the cloud of uncertainty looming overhead. Common claims for declaratory judgment in patent cases are non-infringement, patent invalidity, and unenforceability. To bring a claim for declaratory judgment in a situation where a patent dispute may exist or develop, the claimant must establish that an actual controversy exists. If there is a substantial controversy of sufficient immediacy and reality, the court will generally proceed with a declaratory judgment action. The court may even hear the action if the patentee has not filed a cease and desist letter. The standard for an actual controversy was most recently addressed by the Supreme Court in Metamune Incorporated v. Genentech Incorporated, 2007. But even if an actual controversy exists, the declaratory judgment statute is permissive, a district court, in its discretion, may decline to hear a declaratory judgment action. Usually the claimant is actually making, using, selling, offering to sell, or importing, or is prepared to actually make, use or sell, offer to sell or import an allegedly infringing device or method, and usually the patent owner has claimed that such activities by claimant will result in patent infringement. An express threat of litigation is not needed, nor is it a guarantee that jurisdiction will be granted. Some factors courts have considered in this analysis are whether a patent owner has asserted its rights against an alleged infringer in a royalty dispute, whether the owner has sued a customer of an alleged infringer, or whether an owner has made statements regarding its patents in trade magazines. If a patent owner does suggest that there is patent coverage of what an alleged infringer is doing or planning to do, the alleged infringer may bring suit. The alleged infringer, as the plaintiff in the suit, can choose the venue subject to constitutional restrictions and the state long-arm statute of the forum in question. The suit can be brought in any forum if the local federal district court can properly obtain personal jurisdiction over the alleged infringer. Defendants in infringement cases can ask for declaratory judgment as a counterclaim. A counterclaim of infringement is a compulsory counterclaim to a claim for declaratory judgment of non-infringement. If a patent owner fails to assert an infringement counterclaim in a declaratory judgment non-infringement suit, the patent infringement claim will be deemed waived.